Well, if you hear that noise, you know it's time for Alex Garrett Podcasting. And we're doing a bit of a podcast dump, meaning the last couple of things of the year I wanted to release, we're releasing today before the calendar turns to 2023. And this is the final One Leg Up with Alex Garrett episode, and it features New York Post Albany editor Zach Williams. First of all, I believe this is our first interview since you joined the New York Post, if I'm not mistaken. So welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. It definitely has been a while. And uh, I know where everything's getting crazy, and then you're on with cats, which I love. I love that you and him hit it off, so this is great. Um, but I always love when you join us as well. So talk to me. I know that it's been a weird month since she got elected governor in the sense of people have been leaving the office. We've had a sexual assault scandal with the AG. I mean, is there's some weird bad foreshadowing into the new term for Governor Hochul, or is it is it all like, I, I don't know, it's just weird what's going on, especially with the blizzard in her hometown. I mean, all of this is just, who'd have thought I, that would happen in a month after she got elected, right? Well, let's step back, and uh, we, we can already see that um, that Governor Hochul's period in office will surely be divided into two periods. One of them is the full term, if not more, that she'll get uh, starting in January. And then we're going to have the, uh, boy, what would it be, about approximately 15 months that she had in office taken from Andrew Cuomo's term. You might call it the passage of power, similar to like when LBJ took over for John Kennedy way back when, right? He he had a bit of time um, that was his predecessor's actual term in office, and then of course he won a full term. And uh, well, in his case, we know how that worked out. He only served one term from there. But Kathy Hochul, you know, she won her full term, but now we're seeing that first fifteen months conclude. And what has she done? You know, when she came in, it's easy to forget a long time ago that, you know, she was replacing a guy who for about 10 years had been essentially the king of New York State, right? Uh, Andrew Cuomo, he knew he knew how government works in the state, and for better or worse, he wielded power like few governors ever, ever did. But then, of course, you know, he fell from his pandemic stardom, and <laughs> amid all these different scandals, you know, the nursing home cover-up, the sexual, alleged sexual harassment, alleged sexual misconduct, the bridge... The book deal. He gave it. He gave up in August 2021, and then this pretty obscure figure, then Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, turn, took over. And you know, there's been I think a few key issues that have dominated her term. The first one was how can she supposedly redefine state government after all the scandals that led Andrew Cuomo to leave office? You know, second, we still had the pandemic going on, and then I think you know another biggie has been the rising crime. So let's take them piece by piece. You know, Governor Cuomo, or Cuomo, <laughs> yeah, we'll have it die hard, huh? You know, Governor Hochul has made some um, progress, you might say, to in, in making government more uh, trustworthy or accountable. You know, foils are being returned to reporters a bit quicker. They replace the always criticized uh, state ethics agency with one that is slightly more palatable to good government groups. Um, and there's been a few other things, too. You know, when we're talking about rising crime and how she's dealt with that, it's hard not to avoid talking about how she's dealt with bail reform. You know, in the in the state budget that passed in April, she did make she did lead efforts, in fact, to make some tweaks that, you know, made more 
um, you know, offense is eligible for cash bail, while adding some more money to help the implementation of these controversial reforms. And then lastly, you know, the pandemic, you know, it's easy to forget, you know, one year ago when Omicron was, you know, really driving caseloads, um, you know, there, it was easy to really focus on that issue as one that might really define Hochul's term in office. You know, one year later, it's almost shocking how little people care about COVID now. You might call that uh, a victory of sorts, deserving or not for Hochul. But that said, you know, when it comes to rising crime or, you know, making, you know, restoring trust in state government, you know, obviously she still has a lot more work to do in the term that's going to start in January. You know, and then there's another big issue that just has kind of, you know, was kind of unforeseeable a year ago and has, you know, was really big, has been huge since then. And that's rising costs of living, inflation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I'm 37. And for most of my lifetime and all my lifetime, you know, inflation has been kind of a non-issue in U.S. politics, to say the least. But over the past year, you know, there's a lot of different causes. I'm sure nobody can quite put their thumb on how to solve it. But prices are rising and the governors had to deal with it one way or another. Um, so, you know, I kind of added a fourth issue right there, you know, but there's been a lot going on the past year. I think even the governor would concede that her work remains a work in progress. That's why you run for a full term in office, right? But, you know, I think I, you know, can channel a lot of opinions here in the Capitol by saying, you know, the big takeaway from Hochul is that she is who we thought she would be in many ways. You know, someone who... Uh, you know, kind of moves with the political winds of, you know, for, for, you know, quite a bit, actually, because she's not an ideologue. You know, she's one of those people that wants to get things done, um, you know, not cause a lot of drama and then get reelected and continue being governor. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Andrew Cuomo was a bit different. Andrew Cuomo was always eyeing the history books, always eyeing power, always eyeing Andrew Cuomo's place in all of it. You know, nobody questioned, what does Andrew Cuomo want? He wants to be bigger and better and more powerful. And if you try to get power, he thinks you're taking it from him. You know, Hochul's a bit different. You know, yes, she makes power plays like any governor would. But I think, you know, by and large, she tends to avoid public drama. She tends to work behind the scenes. And, you know... It's really hard to know at times what exactly she wants, not least because her ideology is very pragmatic. You know, when she represented Western New York in Congress, she was pro uh, gun rights. When she's in governor, you know, and a lot's changed in 10, 12 years since she was in Congress, surely. But, you know, now she's pro gun control because she's a governor in New York. Her constituency changed, her opinions changed. Um, she's not the only politician that did that. Zach, maybe I feel... it's a good thing. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, just maybe it's a good thing that she's not as ideological. You know, that's for voters to decide. But uh, she surely had a hard time winning re-election against Lee Zeldin all told. Well, I want to so. talk about that. I feel like she skated by on two big issues. Well, three. The whole Buffalo Bills stadium situation was, was sort of swept under the rug. And I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> Fun year. Um, yeah. That part. Plus the fact that she had donors that were getting COVID treatment right away or something. I mean... What happened there? And then thirdly, you know, thank God Alvin Bragg is not, you know, wasn't off to a good start because we realized, hey, the governor has the power to fire a DA. And we never knew that. Well, I didn't know that until this was happening. And, of course, she will not fire him, right? I mean, let's start there. Boy, it really has been an eventful year because January 1st or whenever it was, I believe, that that Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, took office, he released a day one memo where he said, hey, 
we're going to charge people on these crimes and not on those crimes. And a lot of people took issue with that, to say the least. So, yeah, there's been a lot going on. And, you know, um, getting back to what I said before, you know, it all comes back to to Hochul's desire to win that full term in office. You know, no shocker, uh, you know, she's a politician that wants to win an election. And a lot of – in if you look at things through that lens, it explains a lot. She raised money like crazy from, you know, all the Cuomo donors and more. She set a record in it. And many of those people, you know, ended up having, believe it or not, things that they wanted in return, including a contract, $637 million during the Omicron wave. Remember that with COVID? Mm-hmm. You know, everyone was saying, hey, we need COVID tests now. And her people, for whatever reason, bought $637 million and. Uh, from a New Jersey-based company connected with campaign donors. And, you know, Alvin Bragg, I think that's another interesting one. You know, remember I was talking about rising crime, right? And her political enemies attacked her all year long about how bail reform is supposedly driving rising crime. And they've used Alvin Bragg as the poster boy (laughs) of the soft-on-crime Democratic reformist Politician. I remember when it first happened last year when I was still working for City and State. I wrote, Hey, there's a new boogeyman. His name is Alvin Bragg. And I'm so glad I was proven right about that. Mm. Look at me. I'm so smart, right? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes well, at I, least. Yeah. And, and Hochul ultimately decided, Hey, Zeldin, Lee Zeldin, her Republican opponent, is going to try to bully her to fire Alvin Bragg all the same. And even if she wanted to, she's not going to budge because she didn't want him to look like he, you know, she's doing what he wanted to do. That's politics. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, a lot of people think on the... I mean, everybody thinks that Zeldin ran a great campaign, and he did. He went crossing the state everywhere. But was it too one-sided? Did he just have that one message, or did you find him having multiple angles to his campaign? Well, I think Lee Zeldin, uh, you know, Lee Zeldin ran a very disciplined campaign. He typically repeated, you know, a few key talking points. You know, he's going to come into office, he's going to do everything he can to roll back those you know, bail reform and other criminal justice reforms. And whether or not he could do these things or not, you know, he kept repeating it. You know, he said he was going to cut regulations. He, uh, you know, and and even though he had a lot of vulnerabilities, he's pro-Trump, uh, he was anti-abortion, pro, uh, kind of anti-gun control, if you will. You know, he, he stuck to his talking points. He repeated them whether or not they made sense at times. And he just kept kept coming after Hochul, you know, and Hochul, you know, kind of let it become a tortoise in the hare situation for a while. You know, you had you had the tortoise Lee Zeldin, you know, a Republican, um, sometimes gaff prone, uh, trying to win a race in New York of all places. And he's just kind of going, you know, a little little bit at a time. He wasn't raising money like crazy or, you know, exactly wowing people with his sex appeal, but he just kept going. And her campaign just, you know, just kept talking about abortion and gun control. And however persuasive those issues could be at the national level, they just weren't so animating in New York. And I think that accounts for a lot of the reason why Zeldin came closer than any Republican in 20 years to actually winning. Now, six points is still not that close. But, Mm. hey, six points is still pretty close for a supposedly solid blue state. Absolutely, and I think uh, I think that they both fought on the one issue and one one out and and the other. But he made waves in Albany, right? I mean, people are now like, well, what can he do next? Well, I think you know the the you know Lee Zeldin, who right? Like the guy lost the election, right? You know, nobody cares about him in the state capitol. What they do care about 
is the wounds that the governor has incurred uh, going into budget season. You know, she was embarrassed. You know, she she raised more money than any other person ever to get elected as the first female governor in state history. And she still, you know, <laughs> like, I, I think the turnout says a lot. You know, in Bronx County, about as democratic a place as you could ever find in the United States, they had like 23% turnout or something. Mm. That shows just how exciting uh, Hochul was to the party base, you know, and then you have, you know, Suffolk County that, you know, Zeldin won by like 15, 20 points or something, you know, you could really just see that Hochul was, you know, just was not exciting Democrats. If she had done that, hey, Democrats are like, what, 60% of registered voters or something in the state? Like, it's, you know, it should have been easy for her, and it wasn't. And one, you know, a good reason why was she didn't take it seriously. She stuck to issues that really just weren't, didn't resonate. And, you know, ultimately, she just didn't seem to have her finger on the pulse. And, you know, one thing I'll just add is, you know, all of her campaign people didn't come from New York. I mean, not all Mm. of them, but a lot of them didn't come from New York. And, you know, and I think there was a key reason why. I think Hochul came into her campaign. She's like, I want people that are loyal to me and aren't going to leak everything to the press, don't have relationships with them, aren't tied to Cuomo, you know, people, you know, that just aren't, you know, don't bring the baggage of people in New York politics. And uh, while that maybe helps, uh, you know, her avoid some leaks, you know, it just kind of led to a lot of clumsy efforts where people didn't know exactly what was happening. And uh, they just did not run a good campaign. The turnout shows that. And, you know, Zeldin, uh, you know, really uh, just, you know, cost her a lot coming into what could have been, you know, a very uh, celebratory, you know, entrance into a full term. She's the first female governor elected in state history, you know. Um, You know, if she had won big, we might even already be hearing talk of like her running mm-hmm. and you know for president or something. Look at Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. Yeah, well, I tell you what, it seems like she's not made any earth-shattering policy changes either, right? I think that's another reason why people are like, it's almost like people in the know of, of following all of this know more about her than people outside the know, right? That's how little she's made an impact and a made wave, if you will. Well, you know. Let's give her some credit. You know, you, she signed a bunch of bills. You know, she legalized to go cocktails. Uh, you know, if you're in Western New York, however much you hate, you know, stadium deal elsewhere, she got the Buffalo Bills to commit to a new stadium. You know, uh, there were, you know, there's things that she did. You know, it's not like she didn't do anything. But I think, you know, you, getting back to, you know, kind of the lack of a core ideology. Like, what does Kathy Hochul want? Now she's one of, you know, for the first 15 months, it was like, okay, she wanted to win, you know, election become the first female governor in state history. And that in and of itself is, you know, pretty big. Um, But now she's got a full term in office. And, you know, this person that has spent her whole political career being a very, you know, ideologically pragmatic person, you know, has to kind of look and say, you know, I've been spending my whole year, whole life doing this stuff. What do I want to actually accomplish? You know, and it seems like what she wants to accomplish is kind of more or less a continuation of what Cuomo wanted to accomplish. You know, a, a, a classic, you know, liberal Democrat, you know, who wants to put her name on public works and, you know, get some bills passed. And, you know, you're just not quite sure, though, like how the political winds might affect that. You know, right now she's talking big about affordable housing. Um, you know, it's just it's really hard to know where she really wants to take the state. 
But if you look at the proof is in the pudding, the pudding was made over the last 15 weeks or 15 months, so to speak. You know, it just looks like she's kind of moving vaguely in the same direction that Cuomo was going. Zach, I got to ask you this because you've been writing about the pay raises going on in Albany. She made time for oh. that. And then I heard she didn't tie it to bail reform. I mean, what what can you tell us about these raises? And oh. it is kind of hilarious, isn't it? Oh, you know my God. You know, I mean, you know, Hochul can be a very smart politician at times, but she has undoubtedly made some very, uh, we'll just call them errors. You know, hiring Lute- uh, Brian Benjamin as her lieutenant governor was one of them. You know, she wanted a downstate person of color to be her lieutenant governor and she picked a guy who had all these you know uh fundraising scandals in his background it was already in the news and she picked him anyways and lo and behold he later got charged for bribery by the feds had to resign and blah 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 okay that was one of them (laughs) another one uh you know was this pay raise thing so uh zeldin for months during the campaign was like we need to bring the lawmakers back to albany and repeal bail reform and you're like oh okay you know yes the governor can beckon lawmakers back to albany but you know you can lead a horse to water you can't make them drink and you know the the lefties got you know big majority in both you know the democrats have super majorities in the state senate and the assembly and just because the governor calls them back to albany doesn't mean they want to do what the governor does especially when they have a super majority that can override vetoes right and you know Zeldin would squawk about this all the time, and and you know the Hochul people would just want it would would want people to roll their eyes and just say you know that's not how Albany works. You have a legislative session in January through June, most of the action in the state budget. Uh, no, we're not going to do what Zeldin wanted and hold a special session repealing bail reform. Thank you very much. And then, then election happens, the real things, the real news starts happening, right? And, you know, there's some murmurs from the legislature, hey, let's raise our pay. Now, we can debate whether or not legislators deserve to make 110 and now $130,000 or $142,000 a year uh, or not. You know, city members of the city council make 148000 for what it's worth. But, but, you know, the only reason they wanted to come back at the end of the year is because, if they, it, because of a bunch of boring rules that I won't bore you with. Uh, you know, the raise would take effect in January rather in 2025 if they got it done by the end of December this year. And Hochul was asked about it, and for seemingly no good political reason whatsoever, she's like, yeah, they deserve a raise and, you know, you know limit their outside income a little bit too. But basically giving them carte blanche to do it, and then, you know, and then believe it or not, the legislators decide to do it. And, you know, blowback ensued. A lot of people were like, hey, wait a second. So Hochul's cool with them coming back now, but not when people want to deal with bail reform. I thought it was like, you know, you got to wait till the session or whatever. Uh, And all of a sudden now she wants to, you know, supposedly it's so urgent we got to get pay raises. And then, you know, it appears the Hochul people after a few days had second thoughts. They thought, you know what? We want to look tough on bail reform. So, and this is just speculation. You know, I wasn't in the room. Don't know for sure, but we do. What we do know is that stories started appearing about how the Hochul people were pushing changes to bail reform in exchange for the pay raise. You know, playing tough with the legislators, and then you know, legislators <laughs> said, "Meh, no, we're going to do our pay raises," and that's it. Gotta ask you this: How is Buffalo doing? Speaking of Hochul's hometown, how is Buffalo doing? Uh, what's the update for us? Buffalo's had a heck of a year. You know, they had that racist teenager shoot up the supermarket yeah. in, in May. Uh, so that's one tragedy. And add to that, you know, this last blizzard, you know, we, we've already heard that dozens of 
at least dozens of people have died uh, in Erie County after this historic blizzard that just came like a couple of weeks after like six feet of snow got dropped on them. And, you know, a lot of the attention has has gone towards a few key decisions. You know, there was a driving ban that was put in place in Erie County by local officials to county. And then there was Hochul's uh, decision to deploy the National Guard, which waited until Friday. You know, the storm began on Friday. Um, and some other stuff. Um, but, I, th- you know, I think we got to keep an, an eye on that because, you know, if anything, Hochul has always come back to, I'm a Western New Yorker. That's where I learned how to do what I do. And, you know, we're seeing some emerging criticism about how she handled this historic snowstorm. You know, people died. And the way this democracy thing works is that when people die um, amid decisions by officials, then we got to ask them to defend them. Mm. And, you know, people are doing that right now. And, you know, it's still going on. I think it's reasonable to say that, you know, you can't judge the ball game while the manager is still calling the plays necessarily. But, you know, we do have on-air commentators. That's me. And, you know, what I see is, you know, a lot of looming trouble for the governor. She does not quickly explain all the decision-making, however long and torturous that might be with her uh, growing list of critics. Uh, And by the way, looting, I've never heard of looting in Buffalo. That was something that I didn't expect during the storm. You know, something that kind of frustrated me a little bit about that is you see all these videos on social media, right? And, you know, not everyone has, like, access to AI, you know, deep state fake technology. But it was really hard to know definitively as a journalist from afar, not in Buffalo, um, you know, what's real and what's not. Because obviously looting's concerning. And, but, you know, is it real? What's the backstory to what was happening? Because while, yes, you know, stealing, you know, gumball man, there was some guy with a gumball machine walking down the street. I don't think he was starving, or at least if he were starving, taking a gumball machine down the street probably isn't the way to do it. But, you know, there was, there were some very good people from Buffalo, people that know the community that are saying, hey, look, you know, if people broke into whatever store to get bottled water because they're dying of thirst or trying to get some food because, you know, they're frozen in or whatever, you know, let's keep an open mind about that type of thing, right? You know, anybody would do that. But, 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 you know, what about this other stuff going, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, and it's not just the looting, you know, um, you might call it a, a a, if not a breakdown, a severe dent in civil order, you know, if people are dying in their cars because they can't get rescued, if the fire department cannot move because there's too much snow in their way, if, you know, snowmobile clubs have to bring in their machines to help people, you know, doctors get to hospitals, you know, this is all stuff that's going on out there. And if ordinary people have to break into stores or a target has to host people for several days, or, you know, people are just getting greedy and stealing stuff, you know, then we need to take a good look at all of this and, and get some lessons learned. Right. Mm. And I think that conversation's really beginning and <sighs> unforced errors, right. You know, it's tough as a politician. If you admit mistakes, you look weak, weakness isn't good, but from the mayor, Byron Brown, to the county executive, uh, Mark Polensars, to the governor, Kathy Hochul, everyone has consistently said the preparations were good, there was enough equipment, it was just an act of God. And acts of God, unfortunately, do not translate well into political discussions because, you know, acts of God are, are you know, nobody knows what God does, 
all we know is, you know, you deployed the National Guard on Friday, and, you know, in retrospect, at least, maybe it looked like you should have done it earlier. And it reminds me of someone who couldn't admit mistakes. Huh. You know, the previous governor. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. You know how that worked out for him. All right, Zach, I got to ask you this because I don't think you've ever. You're obviously at the New York Post now, so I'm sure you didn't lie your way into the New York Post, but it looks like we've got parallel situations here in Brooklyn and in Long Island with Congress and Assembly. It's very strange how both of them are happening at the same time. So my question to you is this. Does the Santos decision, what they do when he gets into Congress, inspire Albany, or are they two separate processes that we're about to see, but could lead to the same result? Well, there's a key difference. And... You know, the state assembly, okay, so Lester Chang is a Republican. He won election in Brooklyn, and it appears that there's very good evidence that, you know, at least legally, he kind of lives in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> oh and George yeah. Santos, a Republican who unexpectedly won a congressional seat straddling uh, NASA and Queens, um, you know, he, he won the congressional seat. And it turns out, like, his entire personal background, like, is fabricated. Like, people are like, is even his real name George Santos? Okay. <laughs> so that's a situation in both. Now, Lester, but here's the key difference. Lester Chang might not get his seat because uh, the Democrats control the assembly, and they seem to be willing to bear the political price of blocking him from taking a seat by majority vote over the residency issue. Whereas the Republicans in Congress who will be in the majority do not care seemingly about Santos, or at least they haven't said so. You know, Kevin McCarthy, who's the likely speaker and still, but has still not gotten the votes to be speaker of the house, hasn't said anything about Santos that I've heard about. So that all says that, you know, Santos is going to get to serve two years in Congress, no matter what. Whereas Chang, eh, we'll see, but it's very possible. He's not going to get to serve or at least not to serve in the term that he won in November. There could be a special election, maybe he could run again, maybe he could win. Um, you know, we'll just have to see. But that's the difference between the two. The last thing I'll just say about Santos, I mean, the litany of lies. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just keeps going. It's like Anna Delvey, like, you know, is blushing. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's really going to test that in this day and age, can there be someone who is so dishonest that they will be a pariah within their own party when they're really needed. You know, we won't know what how the Democrats might have dealt with George Santos if he had been on their side of the aisle, right? We just won't know. That's, you know, that's reality for you. It only works one way. But we will get to know how the Republicans respond when they need, when he is, <laughs> they have, what, a five-vote majority in the House out of, what, 434 members or something? They need this guy. Yeah. Or at least it's going to cost a lot to get rid of him. And I think something that was really interesting was that Marjorie Taylor Greene, the always controversial representative from, from Georgia, we'll put it that way, she's back in this guy. And she's been key to McCarthy's attempts to kind of, you know, keep down the resistance to him becoming speaker or speaker. Yeah, speaker of the House. Sorry, so many legislative chambers. Speaker of the House. Uh, despite some resistance on the far right, you know, from like Matt Gates and some other uh, Republicans. So that bodes well for George Santos, because right now George Santos is just looking to somehow get people to stop shutting up and get the headlines to go away and to say, hey, I'm going to become a rep, like it or not. 
um, at least if he doesn't get indicted and arrest, arrested in the meantime, because he's in some real deep doo doo. Uh, you know, when it comes to the financial stuff, but I don't even know if you want to get into that. <laughs> not, not tonight, but I got to ask you one last thing because I feel, well, I'm going to ask you a couple things because obviously I want to get your year in review at the post your first year. But before we get there, um, the ramifications of him being allowed, this is the thing to me, by the GOP of Nassau County to be even allowed to race without a background check. I guess you could say for the GOP in Brooklyn as well to not do their homework on this guy. Um, that has ramifications for Albany too in the sense of, well, do we trust who they're going to run in these assembly seats now? Well, I think you're going to see journalists uh, take more interest in doing, making sure they thoroughly vet uh, candidates going forward. And, you know, local parties as well. The excuse that Joe Cairo, the chair of the NASA County Republicans, um, made about how George Santos somehow got through their purportedly solid vetting process was because, you know, this is a seat that's mostly NASA, but has just kind of a little bit of Eastern Queens. And, you know, George Santos was from Queens. He's a Queens guy, you know, we just didn't, we don't check Queens guys, you know, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And, um, so that's what they say. Um, I think, you know, every, you know, a couple of years ago, boy, 2018, I guess, yeah, that's, that's still a few years ago. You know, I did a story that kind of really opened up the whole Julia Salazar saga. The, the now still state senator, uh, she was running in a Democratic primary at the time, who had claimed that she was Jewish, that she was an immigrant, uh, she grew up working class, and uh, thing reality didn't exactly add up to that, um, to say the least. But you know, George Santos is at a whole other level. You know, uh, you know, Julius Salazar was like, you know, saying, "Oh, I converted Judaism," and it maybe it was, you know, probably not true. Whereas George Santos, you know, might have committed like campaign finance fraud. And people are saying, you know, I did a story today where you know somebody that really knows their stuff about national security is like. This guy's a potential espionage. Uh, oh, he's a threat, huge you know? national security threat. I I just think that's the only re- <laughs> that is the main reason you don't have him on Congress because he's a national security threat. He could lie about anything at this point. So I just it's a very big risk to keep him and, on. And if, and if local parties in the future don't care about preventing you know dangers to the United States, they do care about political embarrassment. So I'm pretty sure they're going to throw down a few more thousand dollars every two years just to make sure that people are a little bit more in the up and up. And what about you, Zach? How, how have you felt covering Albany in the New York Post? It's It's got to be a different speed, right, this whole year? Well, that's a pretty good way to put it. You know, I work for a daily newspaper now, whereas before I worked for a magazine, City and State, um, you know, where the writing was, a, you know, a bit longer, slower pace. You know, here at the Post, you know, we're going for the top stories of the day and really trying to push them forward. Um, you know, two things I would say about the post, which is known to ruffle feathers on both sides of the aisle, especially the one to the left, um, is that everybody loves the post till they hate it. <laughs> and I think a good way of thinking about the post is, you know, it's kind of the id. It's kind <laughs> of the what? New the... York media. Uh-huh. You know, it's 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 the outlet that, you know, is always trying to go for what's most interesting and absolutely never boring. And, you know, again, love it or hate it. People click on the post um, because, you know, we just make stuff that people really want to read. And if people want to read it, well, you know, that's what we're here for. Well, I know that you're you're working to, to keep going, but I also feel like 
you're not there to make the bombshell exclusive. You want to get this right, right? That's why you no know, politician's really thrown your name under the bus yet. I got to say that. I have not noticed that yet. Well, to put it in some sports terms, you know, uh, one time, a long time ago, someone gave me some advice about basketball, you know, which was always look at people's belts. Look at the, you know, look at what they can't move. The, the one part of the body that they can't razzle and dazzle. People will fake it with their head. They'll fake it with their shoulders, their feet, and the ball. And but so you got to look at the belt. You got to look at the one thing that really is just kind of stuck there because that's where you know. Because <laughs> then you can base everything from there, right? You can say, okay, I know what's going on. I know you know this this person's there. I know they're you know they filed their campaign finance thing. I know that you know this is how much how much uh, someone gave them or how much they spent. Yes, it's very important to get things right, especially in politics. You know, there's some big issues here. Uh, you know, both in Washington, obviously. And, but in Albany as well, you know, um, billion, you know, a two hundred and twenty billion dollar budget, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a hundred, you know, uh, gosh, two hundred thirteen state legislators, you know, people that you know need help, natural disasters, you know, it's it's a real thrill to be a part of it um, as a reporter and do the best that we can to you know make keep politicians honest. Right, and and you're doing a damn good job. By the way, I know there are Zach Williams fans listening to this. He's not changed his uh, Twitter handle. It's those Zach reports, right? <laughs> yep, that's me, and I think that puts it well. You know, I'm I'm Zach Williams, and uh, you know, I cover state politics, and I just try to report the news. That's all. I'm pretty sure I accidentally called you Zach Wilson at least once because he was just starting his Jets career at the same time as I was starting to interview or you know interviewing you, and I'm like Zach Wilson. I'm like, wait, no, Zach Williams, different guy, eesh, different Zach. Eesh, man, the the Jets. This, no offense. <laughs> well, you know, on basketball, at least the Knicks are putting up 100-plus points a game. That That's fun to watch. So Hey, they're never boring either. So but, they belong in New York, too. Zach, I know that it's been a whirlwind year, and, and I would just say these two scandals are very New York. I just – you don't expect it, but at the same time, it's a very New York thing, and I know you're going to cover it day by day at uh, the New York Post for us and for the readers. New York, love it or leave it, they say. Love it. Well, don't leave it, Zach, okay? I know there's a lot of others that are. Like, David Marcus is leaving the city, and I'm, I am I am so sad. He's awesome. Stay in New York, please. We need you here, Zach. Please. <laughs> thanks so much, my friend. Well, thanks, Zach, for joining us, as always. And we'll look forward to having you in the new year. Look forward to having more great guests on One Leg Up with Alex Garrett in the new year. Stay with us, and Happy New Year.